With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On today's episode, we look at a player who boasted a 17-year career in professional baseball, made multiple all-star team appearances, and was the first person to play on both American and National League teams. She's also, most importantly, the first woman to play professionally. The Queen of Baseball, today on Rounders, A History of Baseball in America. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Rounders, A History of Baseball in America. My name is Jeff Lambert. I know we haven't connected in a while. I sort of disappeared here for more than a month, and I have to apologize for that. I think a lot of things just hit at once in February. Um, There were some longer trips that I had to take for different reasons. I also started a new job, which has been great, but, you know, obviously an onboarding and training process occurred, and that's demanded a lot of attention. And then we had a family emergency come up as well that we um, we had to deal with, unfortunately. And um, we're, we're starting to get back to normal from that as well. So uh, the good news is, is I'm back. I'm excited to get uh, to a new topic today. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to continuing the podcast. And thank you so much for your support, for continuing to tune in and bearing with me. I think with the reality of my new schedule, I may dial back to doing two episodes a month as opposed to one every week. So that way I can focus more on making sure that I'm still turning out good episodes instead of feeling rushed to do so uh, in light of some of the newer things that have uh, gone to my plate. So uh, I hope that you'll still tune in. I hope that you still enjoy the content and keep interacting with me on social media. If you have ideas, feedback, comments, I I more than appreciate them. So um, here's to you. And before we get into the episode, again, a reminder, if you want to help me, if you really enjoyed this episode, once you finish listening to it, if you've been listening for a while now to the other episodes, if you could take a minute and just subscribe on social media, that would mean a lot to me. We're available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Rounders Podcast, one word. And then another thing that helps me a lot in terms of being able to help new people discover the show is if you go on iTunes and leave a rating. So whichever podcast uh, client you use, actually, if you can go in and assign a rating for the show, that helps us rank a little bit better in terms of being able to be visible to other people. So if you have an extra minute to do that at the end of the show, I would be very grateful. But enough about that. Let's get to our topic for today, the Queen of Baseball. Mary Elizabeth Murphy was born in 1894 in Warren, Rhode Island. Now, 
Her given name was Mary, but she quickly became known by the nickname Lizzie. Now, during Lizzie's childhood, she was known as a pure athlete to the other folks in town. According to an article from Sports Illustrated, her older brother, and only brother, Henry, was quoted as saying that no boy Lizzie's age on the entire eastern shore could keep up with her on ice skates. She was also known as an excellent swimmer and a runner. In fact, she won a lot of local renown for her ability to run long distances. In addition, she also dabbled in soccer and she was proficient on the violin. But even as a child, the one sport that she immediately started to take to was baseball, and she developed that love early on. It began with her brother Henry, who would take her out into the backyard and play catch with her. According to an article from the New England Historical Society, Lizzie would often try and play baseball with the other boys in town. When the boys told her that she was too small to play with them, she persuaded them to at least let her carry the bats around. Now, her newfound and growing interest in baseball was a bit of a concern to her mom, who thought that her being involved in it was going to affect her femininity. But her father, who was a mill worker by day and on his spare time was an amateur baseball player, he actually encouraged Lizzie to continue to play. And in his mind, he thought, well, it's a tomboy's interest and that it's eventually going to pass, but let her enjoy it now. But it didn't pass. Her love for baseball only grew. Lizzie's quoted as saying that, quote, When I was at a young age, when kids threw stones at cats and hens, I guess I hit the mark as often as any of the boys, end quote. As she grew, she began asking her dad if she could borrow his catcher's equipment, and she would practice throwing and catching in it. Her interest in baseball paid off, and the boys eventually allowed her to play pickup games with them. And she would always play the same position, first base, and that would stick with her for life. At age 12, she ended up leaving school so she could help support the family financially, and this was customary during this time. She ended up getting a job working in a woolen mill nearby. On her spare time, she began attending games for the local team, known as the Warren Silkats. She would sit in the stands and watch the games. Eventually, she approached the manager and asked if he could give a tryout. She did so well that they ended up signing her, and she ended up being a big draw for the fans because of her gender. Now back then, local teams made their money by passing a hat through the stands at the end of the game to collect donations. The money would then be divided amongst the players afterwards. So the story goes, according to this New England Historical Society article, that after that first game with the Silk Hats, the manager didn't give Lizzie her share. Now, her appearance had drawn a large crowd for that first game. So throughout the next week, the team manager went around and publicized his female player to anybody that would listen. But Lizzie kept showing up for practice, she kept working out for the team, and she didn't say a word. When the next game rolled around, Lizzie sat in the dugout and she refused to take the field. She told the manager, quote, no pay, no play, end quote. 
the manager quickly agreed to pay her her fair share because the crowd that showed up that day would have been very angry if she hadn't taken the field. For every game moving forward, she would be given her fair share plus a $5 bonus. And you know what? She got paid every game after that. Lizzie's baseball career was just beginning, but she had already learned two important lessons. Number one, if nobody gives you a chance, you make one. And number two, don't let anybody undermine or undersell your talent. And greater things were in store for Lizzie, and we'll get to that right after this seventh inning stretch. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Rounders Podcast, one word, Rounders Podcast. Every day we have photos, quotes, trivia, and other interesting stories from baseball's rich past. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can do that through a service called Anchor. They have a secure online payment option through Stripe, a trusted name in online payments. So you can send me a donation safely and simply just by going to anchor.fm forward slash rounders. If you have just $5 a month, you can help me pay some bills and devote more time to cranking out more episodes for you to enjoy. Each episode takes approximately five to seven hours of research. In addition, there's recording and editing and your support does help me keep the show going. People like donors Tom H. and Will M., just contributed $5 a month. Thanks, guys, for your payment and your support. Now with theirs and other donations, I'm currently saving up to buy a mobile-compatible microphone so I can record while I'm traveling. That's where your current donations are going to help me. Again, just go to anchor.fm forward slash rounders. A link is also available in the show notes. That's all for now. Let's get back to the show. And welcome back, everybody. Let's continue our journey of Lizzie's life. So we left off talking about how she grew up in this small Rhode Island town, developing a love for baseball, not only by playing the sport with her brother and some of the boys around town, but also emulating her father, who was a semi-pro player as well. And at the age of 12, she left school to go work full-time to be able to bring in money for the family and she eventually started to grow her love for baseball by joining one of the town teams, the Silcats. And she learned very quickly that because she was a girl, she wasn't going to be treated fairly by the other players or the manager. And she put her foot down, she stood up for herself, and she was able to fight for more fair treatment, especially financially. So now she's bringing in more money, she's growing her baseball skills, and she's becoming more popular as a player, not just in Warren, but in other areas around the town as well. She ended up leaving the Silk Hats at the age of 15. And then she started to play for a more professional business amateur men's league in the area, and she signed on with a team called the Warren Shoe Company. Now, 
She was the only woman in that entire league. But she used that opportunity to grow her skills, and she became more popular as a result. When she turned 18, though, she felt that she had come to a crossroads in her life. Should she continue to pursue baseball? Or should she take this opportunity to do what society expected her to do, and to become a proper lady? According to that Sports Illustrated article I mentioned earlier, Lizzie is quoted as saying, quote, I about decided that baseball wasn't a game for a girl and that I would quit. But then I went to look at one of the games. It just made me crazy to take a turn at the bat and line one out, end quote. She decided to make baseball her career, and she went all in on making her dream a reality. In 1918, she signed on with a men's professional club, the Providence Independence. Now, this team toured the entire area of southern New England, so her skills became known not only just in this small Rhode Island area, but throughout the entire region, and her talent was quickly noticed by the larger pro ball clubs. The next season, in 1919, she signed on with the popular Boston All-Stars Baseball Club, which was run by promoter extraordinaire Ed Carr. Now, this team played games across New England and Canada, and it was usually a 100-game schedule, which was grueling because a lot of these games were back-to-back, night after night. Now, she would keep in shape by beating rugs and chopping wood while on the road. She said, quote, I was always rough and ready, and I could take it. I got in shape beating rugs and chopping wood, and this kept me fit for running the bases and driving the ball to the outfield. End quote. In addition, by all evidence that I could find, she was accepted and she got along well with her teammates. She's again quoted as saying, quote, Traveling the countryside with a group of young males was never a problem either. Of course, they cursed and swore, but I didn't mind. I knew all the words myself, end quote. Now, during this time with the Boston All-Stars, Lizzie started learning the art of self-promotion. She began referring to herself as, quote, Spike Murphy. She would bill herself as the queen of baseball whenever she talked to the media or spoke to a group of spectators. In addition, she had her team jersey altered so that her full name was written across the front and the back of the jersey so fans could easily spot her. Now, in addition to these naming practices and being able to uh, be more visible to the fans, she also began the practice of going into the stands in between innings and after the game and hawking these picture postcards of herself in uniform. She once admitted to making $22 from doing this with a crowd of less than a 1,000 fans in Worcester, Massachusetts. She always said afterward that Worcester was just about her favorite town. (laughs) She also said that she only got less than $50 from a crowd of 6,500 people in Dorchester, Massachusetts. It was said that she was always bitter about Dorchester after that. Now, even though Lizzie was learning how to promote herself and make a little extra money on the side, money wasn't everything for Lizzie, and she wasn't in this for the cash solely. She often said later that she considered the touring an education and an experience, and anything but a chore. 
And don't be fooled by the fact that she knew how to promote herself. This wasn't just a a showman type of thing for her. She could play ball. The newspapers who covered her team's games always referred to her by her full name, and they gave her credit for her on-field actions, and they never referred to her gender or questioned her ability. Now that's something coming from the press. In addition to that, her Boston manager, Ed Carr, he was quoted as saying of her, quote, No ball is too hard for her to scoop out of the dirt, and when it comes to batting, she packs a mean wagon tongue, end quote. I'm not sure what wagon tongue means, but I suppose it's a good thing. (laughs) One example of her quick wit on the field, just to give an example of how she dealt with situations in game, uh, was during her time playing with the All-Stars. So there was a game that was happening up in Canada, and she was playing first base. And she overheard the opposition's first base coach, unsuspectingly, of course, give the steal signal in French to the runner that was on first. Now. Lizzie, who grew up in a French-Canadian household, spoke fluently. So she quickly called timeout. She met with the catcher, and she set up a nonverbal code. She went back to first, and she would flash that code each time a runner was about to be sent to second. She said, quote, I nailed five of them that way, end quote. According to the New England Historical Society, Lizzie's career batting average throughout her entire career was a very respectable 300. Not bad. And this was noticed by the spectators, by her fellow players, and by the managers. So fast forward to 1922. Lizzie's 28 years old. Because of her exploits, she's invited to participate in an exhibition game with other major league players. Now, this exhibition game was a special event, and it was to raise money for the recently deceased Boston baseball legend Tommy McCarthy. The money was going to go to his family to help them. So this game was pitting New England professional club ball players against the big league Boston Red Sox squad. So she started the game at first base for the New England squad, and there was a mixed spattering of cheers and boos as it was recorded when she entered the field. Now, during this game, her own male teammates quickly decided to put her skills to the test. She recounted a story in an interview several years later that there was a ball that was hit by a Red Sox batter to third base. And Lizzie stated that the third baseman, quote, held on to the ball as long as he could and then gunned it across, end quote. The ball was thrown high and wide. She said, quote, what an arm. But I fooled him, though, and I handled the ball easily. He went over to our shortstop and said, She'll do. What he didn't know was that I liked the fast ones better than the slow ones. Lizzie didn't get a chance to bat in this game, but her overall play did impress her teammates, the Red Sox players, and all the fans in attendance. Six years later, in 1928, Lizzie played in a National League All-Star game against the Boston Braves. That made her the first person of any gender to play for All-Star teams in both the American and National Leagues. That same year, she also became the first woman to play in the Negro Leagues. She was asked to play first base for the Cleveland-colored Giants when they came through Rhode Island. 
Now, according, according excuse me, to the Exploratorium, which is a museum in San Francisco, Lizzie actually got a hit off of uh, legendary Negro League pitcher Satchel Page. Now, after the game, catcher Josh Gibson, who is one of the greatest power hitters of all time and, and also was an eventual Hall of Fame inductee, he was asked by a reporter if he thought his teammate Satchel Page had gone gently on Lizzie because she was a lady. Gibson responded angrily to the reporter and said, quote, of course he did, end quote. Gibson wanted to make sure that his teammate Page wasn't seen as uh, someone who uh, actually gave up a hit to a woman. But the fact still stands that she did. Now, because of her playing that exhibition game, Cleveland actually invited Lizzie to continue playing first base for them as they toured the area, and she continued to do so. So that makes Lizzie Murphy the only female player to play for both the American and National League and the Negro Leagues. Impressive. Lizzie continued to play for several more years, and she ended up hanging up her spikes for good in 1935 at the age of 40. Two years later, she got married to a non-baseball player. But the story didn't end happily. Her husband met an untimely death a few years later, and Lizzie had to take to various and very modest means of trying to make a living for herself. In addition, she also was the sole provider for her mother, who ended up living with her. She ended up going back to work at the mills in Warren like her father had for a while, and for several years after that, she was known for working on the oyster boats that came in and out of Warren. She ended up passing away in 1964 at the age of 70. When she was asked toward the end of her life how she managed to succeed in baseball, she replied, quote, Courage and confidence in myself. End quote. If you have a daughter, a niece, or a little sister, take a moment to tell them about Lizzie's life. Buy them the children's book, Queen of the Diamond, by Arnold McCulley. Show them that if they want something in life, go for it. And don't let society dictate what their place should be. Lizzie sure didn't. Well, that's all for this episode, everybody. Thank you for listening. And remember, there are only two seasons, winter and baseball. <laughs>